0: Audio Conversation with Cynthia Crawford, recorded August 1st, 2010. I first met Cynthia in, uh, at the Laughlin Conference, and I met her very briefly in 2008. That would have been three years ago, over three years ago. And I feel funny saying this, but my first impression was she was exactly the type of person that I was capable of dismissing and dismissing with a sort of uh, uh emotional contempt in a way and I, and I hate saying that because my I've changed completely when I first went to the conference in 2008 it was very challenging for me it was very uh I didn't know quite where my head was at and I didn't know quite why I was down there and uh, it felt like it was a a circus in a way filled with folks that I didn't um understand and and uh, stories I heard stories that were so absurd uh that i just dismissed them outright uh she claims to be a human alien hybrid she says it's straight up she's not shy and it was uh, a little disarming at first um the next year 2009 i met her again and spent a little bit of time with her just sat with her and listened to her a little bit and we sat in a circle of uh a UFO support group that was run by Barbara Lamb. And she spoke, and and I realized, well, this is actually a really interesting person. This is a really uh, open, fair-minded person with a very interesting story to tell. And I didn't know quite what to make of it. The later, when I went back in 2010, I had just the opposite impression of her. All those preconceptions seemed to have faded away, and I was very... Much taken by her and I was very much impressed with a level of of warmth that she has uh, I was very much impressed with a level of uh, of genuineness um, openness uh, she has obviously has a great big heart and anyone who meets her can say that without question and um, all those un well I guess not unfounded because we live in a society where those kind of claims are quite outrageous but her but I was very much impressed with her this last year so much so that i that i sought her out as a as a place uh, it is a quite a circus atmosphere at this conference the conference is you know eight days long and uh, and i sought her out to sit with her to spend time with her and to be behind her little counter i i, I just would kind of ease my way back behind her counter and then sit back there as a as a peaceful place in this in this funny storm of of uh intense human claims and intense human uh emotions i asked her to do this interview uh, and one of the big parts was that i was so challenged by her initially and um after spending a little bit of time with her and and actually after listening to some of her audio interviews on other uh formats which i'll link here at the end uh I found that I was very much um, impressed with her and very much taken with her and just the big hearted side of her I was very much taken by. Uh, And I think her story is remarkably interesting. I'm not going to cover some of the stuff that was covered. Uh, I did this on purpose. I'm purposely not going to cover some of the things that were uh, shared on the other audio interviews. Uh, Feel free. I encourage you to listen to those. Those are very interesting. And here's a proper introduction for Cynthia. Cynthia is a sculptor and she makes little statues, uh, figurines, busts of uh, alien beings, alien beings that uh, some we would recognize, some like the greys, some we wouldn't recognize, some very uh, curious mantis beings and some very curious hybrid beings that that, uh, she makes. And she says quite openly that she doesn't create them herself that she's she's just a conduit that she's a channel that she's not an artist that these uh these sculptures are created and each one is created specifically for an individual and whoever her spirit guides are, her alien guides or her interdimensional guides or her off-world guides or however you want to say it, whoever these guides are, they will know ahead of time who is going to purchase these. And each individual statue is made in advance for the person that will at one point uh, purchase them. I know how crazy this sounds, but I witnessed it directly. A very close friend of mine, uh, Natasha, had an experience where she was compelled to purchase one of these statues it was actually very interesting i knew ahead of time about cynthia's claims about these things and then i got to watch first person as natasha was almost i don't want to say cast under a spell but she was so excited and so determined to purchase one of these and the whole thing was sort of magical uh That little story doesn't mean that the claims are true, but I found it very, very interesting. Um, Presently, Cynthia is doing a lot of uh, sculptures through her website that are being sent off to people all over the world. Uh, She talks about this a little bit. It's very interesting. Her sculptures are very nice. They're very simple, uh, unadorned, but very... um, Oh, I guess just to say a three-dimensional sculpture is very interesting rather than seeing a uh, a sketch that was drawn by someone or an artist recreation. So to handle one of these things is actually a three-dimensional thing. You can turn it around and see what the back of the head is shaped like. You can see what the neck is shaped like. Uh, so I, I found it quite fascinating. And it was very sweet spending time with her in Laughlin, watching her interact with people. Uh, she has a very nice way about her, a very nice way. Um, I enjoyed our conversation immensely. She was a delight to talk with, and I hope that comes through. And near the end, she does a sort of psychic reading for me. She uh, channels from her uh, from her guides, from her spirit guides, and it's very interesting. I'm I am very cautious and I hope this comes through. I'm very cautious to take this type of channeled information and this type of of uh, guidance literally. Uh, I take it metaphorically, and that just is an easier way for me to, 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 uh, to drink it in. I will say that uh, everything she said uh, rang true in a lot of ways, even if only on a metaphoric level, because she was saying things that, quite honestly, I would have no way of knowing on a pragmatic literal level. Uh, please enjoy, and I'll chime in periodically throughout the conversation uh, with, the, with little side notes. And I hope you find our conversation interesting. Um, and please enjoy, I certainly did well, good you you're totally you're going to change the world here with this uh, conversation, so how have you been?
1: oh my gosh um i've been great um, i've had so many wonderful, exciting experiences lately and and hearing from people from all over the world, I mean, oh my God, uh, I sent out some sculptures to India. To a young man who's very awake and aware, he's 23 years old, and uh, has contact on a fairly regular basis with um, uh, some of the big uh, Galactic Federated ships. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see, I've done been shipping out a lot to England, Um, been meeting a lot of people, been uh, learning about. And also teaching, I should say, people how to have contact and how to protect themselves uh, from having negative contact. But primarily, when I teach them how to have contact, what I want them to do is to be able to be, um, you know, in understand how important it is to be able to work in the light with unconditional love, because this really
0: attracts the beings a lot. So so um have you been working a lot on the sculptures? I
1: have uh actually since October when I did the Project Camelot interview or not interview but um talk which I'll have linked uh,
0: here which which um okay. so people can see that and I and I and there's a couple of audio links on your homepage on your website and I'm just going to be cautious not to to um have you repeat what was on that because those the audio um, interviews on your website, as well as that Project Camelot discussion and talk that you give in front of an, a small audience, um, I think uh, answer so much and give would give the you know any listener listening to this a really good foundation. and so I just was hoping to expand on what was already presented in those.
1: Okay, okay, so uh, yes, I've been doing quite a few uh, sculptures. I had one week. Uh, that was kind of uh, a incredible relaxed week where there was very few orders but the rest of the time I've been fairly busy every day making sculptures the interesting part of it is the majority of people who are contacting me are anywhere from the, their teens to their 30s this is a, seems to be the average uh, as opposed to a lot of people You know, in their um, 40s, 50s, and 60s, I've even gotten some 70- and 80-year-olds who have bought sculptures. But the majority lately has been the young ones who are very awake. Many of them are reporting, remembering who they are and where they came from uh, and knowing what their mission is here on this planet. So that's been exciting to get to know them.
0: So you've been having dialogues with these folks so they don't just call up and order something and and you actually have a dialogue back and forth or have a dialogue Absolutely. at a, at a at a um like at a conference or something
1: right we We have dialogues and uh, I have on a uh, let's see about five hundred people that stay in touch with me uh, so I have to be very you know short with as much as possible. Uh, with the talks, it really depends because sometimes I can talk to as many as 20 people in a day.
0: And do you talk to them on the phone or over email? or
1: um, Skype and the phone and over email, I probably do at least maybe 15 a day because the majority either want to talk. They they really enjoy having that connection where they can we can hear one another's voice or see one another on Skype. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked to a lot of people from Romania on Skype, uh, again, from um, uh, England quite often, from Norway. Uh, Even though I don't speak other languages, I wish I did. uh, For the most part, the ones that contact me either speak English or have an interpreter with them. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So it's been
0: fabulous. And so what kind of patterns are you seeing? That's very interesting just because you know you're seeing a, 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 a subsection of the population that's coming to you yeah what kind of what are you seeing as far as like what's what's consistent
1: The consistent thing is that people are beginning to awaken and remember um, either past experiences when they were children or they're totally awake and knowing that they came from somewhere else. I've had numerous young people in their early 20s who have incredible, incredible contact with star beings, and they are so spiritually evolved and so full of unconditional love and just ready to go out and help change this world and help people embrace contact and empower themselves. It's just phenomenal. I'm so proud of these young people and and uh, how they are actually moving forward. Some of them didn't really know what to do, and so they primarily contact me to tell me their experiences and how they know they're from another world. Uh, or some of them have contacted me and said, I've had consistent dreams that, or telepathic messages, and I need help in knowing what do I do with it. You know, where do I go from here? Uh, why am I getting all this information? Um, how can I help change the world? And so we talk about that.
0: And is there any sort of networking that that you know of? I mean, is there like one place where they all meet online, or is there some sort of like newsletter? I, this is, I, I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking that that um, there's a tremendous power in in all these people individually, but there'd be a collective uh, heightened power if they all. Um. Well, what I do
1: is I find out where they live and I ask permission to share with others in their area their emails and and try and set up groups. I tell them the importance of putting together groups. They need to go out and find like-minded people and share their stories. One young man literally... After I'd spoken to him, uh, I said, "You have so much knowledge, so much wisdom. The guy is only twenty years old. He has wisdom of a Tibetan monk. <laughs> you know, it's just incredible mm-hmm. of the Dalai Lama. His wisdom, and he came in with this wisdom. And so I encouraged him to find others that are going out there and, and reaching." To put together large groups, and so now he is traveling around a certain area, mainly the western part of the United States, with other people, and they're doing conferences and they're doing talks, and they're reaching out to the young people.
0: Oh, I would love to yeah. get uh, you know. Feel free to give him my name, or or uh, this is this is the kind of stuff that absolutely fascinates me, in, in, in a funny way, um, you know, I Mary. Certainly, oh, go, go on. Ahead.
1: Well, I was going to say he's going to be doing a conference with a few other people in uh Los Angeles on ten ten of this year uh I've been asked to be one of the speakers, but he's also having the host is going to be the one that channels Bashar,
0: oh yes, dearlinka
1: right, and so they're putting that together and this is a young twenty year old is that not the most awesome thing?
0: That is amazing so, because, in and I—that's in what—in a funny way, one of the problems I have with the Laughlin conference is it seems like it's—it's—it there's a lack of dynamism, whatever. You look around, you stand in the in the main conference hall, and and, and look around, and there's a lot of gray hair in that conference room, and not much um, youth, uh, energy.
1: Absolutely. See, and this is what's really important because uh, I've even had teenagers contact me and tell me. That uh, their parents don't understand when they've tried to talk to them about the contact they've had with beings from other worlds, they have been threatened, threatened to be put into a mental institution. By parents. By parents. Yes. Is that not sad?
0: Huh. Well, it doesn't surprise me. Um, I mean, it's sad, but in a a funny way, it doesn't surprise me, and uh, and I and I think that. Uh, you know if we turn the clock back 30 40 years they may have been put into an institution by their by their you know potentially uh you know their parents coming from a place of very real uh, concern but you know i I think that things have changed dramatically and if we if we if we go forward a few years into the future um you know I, i foresee that not happening at all i mean maybe the parents being more understanding
1: I I hope that's true. I have a young man who's uh, in his late 30s, and he's been in a mental institution since he was 17 years old because he had contact. He has been given drugs and everything, trying to keep him from talking about it. He sounds the same as you and me. He uh, has... Proof that he's had contact, but the drugs they've given him have caused him to develop a very horrific um, type of diabetes. Oh, I know, I know. But the other thing is, this is a young man. Imagine this. Oh, another thing in common. So I'll go back to imagine this, but let me tell you another thing in common many of these star seeds, young star seeds I talked to, are adopted. Really? Oh, yes. I was shocked. The other thing I'm finding is I've been contacted by numerous children, I mean, young people who as toddlers were found roaming in the desert, roaming out in the woods and so forth, and they couldn't find any parents, and nobody knew where they came from. Now, what is that type? Is that not exciting to hear that these, star, these young star seeds are brought down? And being placed on the planet.
0: I mean, that's the implication that I get. You know, first, you know, right. You know, my first impression would be like, ooh, that's 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 how it plays out in my head. And and I, and this is just this is just my myself being. Um, oh, I don't want to say skepti- well, skeptical. Well, sceptical is a good word, but very cautious to um. To not to jump to conclusions too quick. I think that this 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 realm that you and I are both in, um, and you seem to be much more immersed in it than I am. Um, is uh, is so strange, and, and it just it just you know there's a level of caution that that, uh, that I have, and, and sure. you'll, you'll sense that a little bit maybe in, in some of the questions I ask, but um yeah that is fascinating and 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 I would love to, oh to talk to them to talk to the parents to talk to the adoption agencies and things like that and find out which I probably won't make the effort to do, but that would be something that would be very interesting to to, to research. And I I think, and my guess is that the that the um, you know that the information that would come out of that would 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 potentially be even stranger than than the assumption I have in my head of these. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's very easy to to imagine a a, you know a magical you know flying saucer dropping these kids off, knowing full well that they that the uh, someone from from that would find them very shortly. You know, I don't think that they would be dropped off in the woods. do you know does that make sense i mean there was got to be so no, much no absolutely
1: absolutely i understand that completely but this is a young the young one i was telling you about was actually found in a field um they could not find his parents but he's got very unusual dna the other thing is there are certain questions that once you've had experience and um as most people know i'm a hybrid and uh i have contact quite frequently maybe not as frequently as i would like but um frequently enough um i've even had recently had a ship that landed behind my house
0: that was just an awesome awesome experience and did you see that in like a waking environment were you fully awake did you wake up in the middle of the night
1: oh it was in the middle of the night uh yeah, it was in the middle of the night and I thought I was having a dream because when it, what a lot of people don't understand is that as human beings in these bodies, we're vibrating in the third dimension and we're, a lot of us are moving into a higher dimension as we evolve. But there is a dimension called the etheric realm in which once we've reached that realm, we have the ability to move between the third and the fifth dimension and eventually we'll get even to higher dimensions. But we have that ability. And it was a very tough thing for me to grasp that the uh, when I'm in the etheric realm, I'm actually having the experience. It is not a dream. I had the hardest time with that, accepting that I had proof that it was conscious contact and not a dream. And when you come back with marks on your body or you come back completely healed of a brain tumor or a disease or you've got totally new lungs, different lungs than you Mm -hmm. had before. I mean, all these things that happen, it points to this is definitely conscious contact. Uh, But in a higher realm. So we have to stop thinking that if we can't see it, feel it, hear it in the third dimension, it's not real. It, It is very difficult for people, again, to grasp this higher dimension. But what I do is I help people move into that higher dimension so that they can have contact. Eventually, all of us will be in that higher dimension we will no longer question if we're just dreaming it
0: and that's Real actually not. something that that I've been through and I've written a lot on the blog and actually I'm an illustrator so I do a lot of drawings and um and it's been very helpful for me to try to articulate some of these things because it's just easier for me sometimes to draw an illustration that describes something rather than trying to to type it out in a bunch of words. That, Absolutely. That
1: and if, and when the ship landed behind my house, which has now been almost two months ago. Have you drawn it? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, you should. It, you should. I'm not. I'm not an artist. I can only make sculptures.
0: You should sculpt it. Then sculpt it. <laughs>
1: I wish, but it was really cool because what happened was um, I had uh, gotten, uh, I mean, I thought I was dreaming that I was going outside and I could feel these, uh, uh, something coming down. Um, and, and let me also reiterate that even though this is on one of my other uh, talks oh, yeah. yeah
0: feel free to repeat wanna, yeah if it's important. Okay. Yeah. I,
1: I want to bring this up that when I was in my twenties, well even my teens, I never knew where I was gonna wake up. There were times I would wake up in a field not far from where there was a big burn spot where a UFO had landed. Mm-hmm. There were times I would wake up a block away from my house and there would be a tall being walking behind me just to make sure I got home safely and so forth. And these things um, are very difficult to deny uh, when when you actually see them with your real eye and you know that, especially off at Air Force Base being out and um, having uh, the military shut down the field where I woke up in and uh, had uh, men in um, protective clothing and Geiger counter walking around in the circle. And then, after they did all their testing and everything, they burned the field down to cover up evidence of a ship landing.
0: I know that was actually, that was in, I can't remember, that's on one of the... Uh Audio Talks. podcasts that you have right. right to your your homepage that where you talk about that yeah that story right. was very interesting and how old were you at that time?
1: At that time I was twenty five. Twenty five okay. And uh, so that would be let's see boy I'm an old lady now, um, that would be in ni- about close to nineteen seventy five, and I think it was the spring of seventy five. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Um, I I had so many encounters. I even, um, wow, I even had a doctor that had proof. I cannot get a hold of him. I have no idea where he is. His name was Dr. David Johansson, and he lived in Omaha, Nebraska at the time. Uh, And he literally, in uh, 1978, was it 78? Let's see. 78? Yeah, 1978 had uh, x-rays of my lungs Mm -hmm. before I went on a trip to prove that my lungs were collapsing. And then when I came back from the trip, after a UFO had been spotted over the hotel I was staying at uh, then, uh, he took x-rays of my lungs because he couldn't believe I was still alive. And he found that I had newborn baby lungs. And I don't mean because of the size, but they were that perfect.
0: Yeah, this is fascinating. This would be something that would be interesting to to, to pursue in a form of you – know, to, to sort of research this stuff just because it would give um, – I don't know if, whether he would state it out loud or whether he's even alive now.
1: Uh, well, he's not much older than me,
0: and I'm 60. Yeah? But
1: <laughs> – Oh, well, that's but okay. He, yeah,
0: yeah. Then yeah. –
1: So he's alive somewhere, but I wish to goodness that uh, if anybody knows of this Dr. David Johansson, and uh, he was an internal medicines doctor in Omaha, Nebraska, I've tried to find him. If anybody knows of him, I wish they would please contact me because I would love to, um, even if he has no access to these x-rays, at least to get it documented from him that he remembers this because he literally called me into his office and cried he had never seen anything like this. And at the time, you've got to remember that I was brought up by a very religious uh, person who used to always say that it was the devil. Um, I wasn't a good enough child or a person that the devil was causing me to think I was having these contacts and so forth. So. I tried not to acknowledge them because people wouldn't believe me back in those days. So this is what's really sad. We now have an opportunity with all these young people and the people having contact now to be able ha- to have proof and to document them.
0: It's very interesting because I think that there's there's all this uh – Oh, you know, search for extraterrestrial life, where we, where we like, are you know, have spent millions and millions of dollars uh, on giant radio receivers listening for uh, uh, some radio signal that might be coming from deep space. When, at the very same time, it certainly seems to be that there's uh, an incredible number of people who are claiming, you know, first-person uh, communication, direct one-to-one communication with these non-human entities.
1: Right, and a lot of them are very human-looking, um, that they have contact with, but there's a lot that have contact with the um, mantis beings. Mm-hmm. In fact, I've, I've, got, uh, I've had people tell me their experiences. I, uh, I do make the mantis sculptures, and I tell people, I always tell people, do not buy a sculpture. If you don't want contact or are afraid of having contact, and that is because you can actually sabotage yourself from having contact or communication. So you have to be able to uh, accept them or embrace these beings from other worlds without any fear and with unconditional love. And this is what I try to teach people. That's why I spend so much time on Skype and so forth, is explaining to them how to have conscious contact without any fear and to be completely empowered.
0: And has it been successful? It sounds like it's been successful for you. Have you had feedback from people you've worked
1: with? Oh, yes. Yes, I would say at this point there's over 80%, probably more like 90%, the people that have the sculptures have contact. Uh, I would say the other 10% have had uh, contact but consciously are unaware of it. And the only reason I say that is I had someone contact me not too long ago and was complaining, I bought a sculpture and I've never had contact and I try, uh, you know, I've begged them to let me have contact And then my guides will telepathically tell me what their problem is. And so I'll ask these key questions. I'll say, have you been waking up at all at any time, morning or in the middle of the night, with your body aching really bad? And uh, how often does that happen? Uh, Have you been diagnosed with fibromyalgia uh, I also asked them, "Have you noticed any bruises or marks on your body? Um, have you and the reason for the bruises, and I always tell people this, never fear if you find bruises on your body, for the bruises are nothing more than affirmation that indeed you had contact. Some people have very important missions to do on this planet, and they cannot they cannot put themselves in harm's way uh, by remembering the importance of their mission, and uh, therefore they're allowed to know they're having contact, but not allowed to remember what exactly is going on. On the other side, I also have people who have now been on the ship's, um quite interesting a gentleman from england that i just love so dearly he's such a sweetheart um and we've become very very good friends um had gotten a sculpture from me and he had gotten the syrian warrior of light and he started i told him how to meditate with it and how to release fear uh and he thought he had but apparently he hadn't released it enough and he started meditating with it and um his body began vibrating and he felt himself going into another dimension and he suddenly panicked and opened his eyes and could see that the room was fading out as he was moving into another dimension in time and so he stopped it instantly by jumping up out of bed and breaking the mode and putting the sculpture in his bathroom and he said, <laughs> "He said there, you'll have to stay in there tonight. Uh, And then later on, when he told me, he says, I'm not as brave as you, Cynthia. I said, okay, first of all, let's talk about it. What are your fears? And blah, blah, blah. So, I go through this. Well, after we went through that, he finally, a few weeks later, decided to get the courage and start meditating. Well, um, he found himself on a ship. He also found... The sculpture that he had gotten, which was the Syrian Warrior of Light, I wasn't sure if he was Syrian or if he was Nephilim because they worked together a lot with the Galactic Federation. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay, I'm going to interject here. The, the, I've heard this kind of thing a lot the Galactic Federation and the naming these unknown entities uh, as Syrians and Pleiadians and Arcturians. I hear this a lot and, and it challenges me. It really challenges me. There was a point when I would dismiss this stuff outright and now I feel it's important that I that I at least pay very close attention and try to see where the patterns are and try to see what's emerging here. I have no doubt that uh, Cynthia is incredibly Perfectly sincere, in her claims, but these claims do challenge me in a way that I that I want to be very cautious. Uh, I feel funny interjecting right here, but I just I just felt I needed to. Uh, at the same time, I I love the the narrative that's unfolding. I just I'm I'm thrilled by it. It's just such a wonderful story. I love the um the mythology that's that's uh, that's unfolding in real time all around us right now. Good. Enough said. Back to Cynthia. Sorry for the interruption.
1: And they travel the universe assisting in situations like what Earth is going through. Um, but sometimes they have very similar uh, features. And sometimes they're hybrids. We've got to also remember that sometimes they're a hybrid between the, the Nephilim and the Syrian warrior of light. So they may have a little bit of both types of um, features. So uh he found himself not only being on the ship, but his sculpture literally had uh shapeshifted into a Nephilim and said, I am Nephilim, which was an indication that he comes from the Nephilim race. And interestingly enough, a friend of his he woke up one morning and about 9.30 is all he remembered in the morning, fixing himself some tea and standing in the kitchen. The next moment, he turned around to look out the window, and it's now nighttime. So suddenly, he had lost the entire day, went from uh, 9.30 in the morning to night, and a friend of his was knocking on the door, telling him what was going on, that there was a... Pyramid-shaped ship over his house all day.
0: Wow. Mhm. This is fascinating because there's like there's a um. Oh, and and there's a there's a realm of what's considered sort of a mainstream UFO studies, you know that that's very uh, nuts and bolts, and you know the abduction phenomena is studied uh, very cautiously, and and the people who make um you know who do these. Who do this type of research often will will um, be very limited maybe perhaps in in how they they view the the overriding issues, and the stories that y- that I get from you and that I get from others too, and and this is awesome, often through the internet rather than through books, um, is so intensely uh, more how to say it you know like it's it's more expansive and more bizarre and more far-reaching than than what I would get from you know what would be mainstream ufology
1: yes in fact very little of it can be documented These people that contact me are phenomenal. For example, just recently someone sent me a picture of this uh, Netherlands, which you probably have already gotten, UFO that kept shape-shifting?
0: Oh, no, I haven't seen it.
1: Okay, I'll have to forward that to you then. Uh, but this was a recent video. And as I saw that, it looked just like the ship that was over my uh, my mountain, <laughs> as if I own it, the mountain behind my house, about, um, hmm, I'd say, two months ago. And it looked just like that. Um uh, But what's interesting is it also reminded me, the Netherlands, in 1997, when I was healed of a brain tumor while on a mothership, taken to a uh, Galactic Federated Medical Mothership and completely healed of a brain tumor and came back with proof of the healing and also uh, photographs of my back where they had taken uh, a rectangular piece of tissue um, that they were using to check to see how my DNA was evolving. Mm-hmm. You know, um, A lot of people aren't aware of this, and I'll just say this really briefly, aren't aware that we're born with all the DNA strands we need, but they're not activated. We activate them, not through paying thousands of dollars to have somebody say, well, you follow my orders, and I'll tell you that you're not going to make it to the new world until I activate you. That has nothing to do with being Having your DNA activated, what activates a person's DNA is learning to work with the light of source and learning to give up greed, judgment and prejudice and seeing the creator source and all beings and being able to embrace all beings with unconditional love. That is what activates our DNA.
0: So it that's wouldn't be like a medical process where you would sit in front of a machine that would, it would you know, scan you with a DNA activator changer.
1: No, you, you know, it, it, the DNA, you see, this is something that people, um, and I used to believe it too, that, oh, other people can activate my DNA. And then my guides told me, um, why do you seek outside yourself, which is already within you?
0: And that's and that's I, almost like a universal law that any master would say. I mean, that's absolutely. what Jesus said, that's what the Buddha said, that's what, you know, the Dalai Lama says, that's, yeah.
1: Yes, absolutely. In fact, um, I've had conscious contact with Sananda, who, when he walked the earth with Jesus, and and when this happened to me, uh, and I hate to admit this, so I hope I'm not judged by this, but um, I was brought up by such a religious mother, and always drilled, uh had it drilled in my head that I wasn't worthy of God's love because I was uh, such a sinner and that I was having ET contact, that eventually when I realized it was real and I began embracing them because their love is so incredible, I literally walked away from religion and I said, "Uh I don't want it want nothing to do with it. Uh Which
0: is a a pattern that I've seen in this whole phenomenon.
1: Sure, absolutely. And so when Sananda came to me, the first thing I did was I turned my back to him thinking, that's Jesus, Uh uh-uh, I'm not about religion. And all of a sudden, telepathically, the message that came to me was, he is not about religion. He is about working in the light of the source with unconditional love. He does not judge. And then they also said, um, or then he said to me, Sananda said to me to get me to turn around and agree to meditate with him. Um, he said, I am no greater than and no lesser than you. And he reached out his hand as if to say, come with me. And I sat down and I felt like an idiot then. because I thought, oh my God, I'm judging him because he was Jesus Christ, in the past, while well, he never really was born with that name, it was a Christian name given to him, I was judging him saying, uh-uh, he points his finger at everybody and says, you're not worthy of going to heaven and being with the Father God, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. And what did he look like? What did you see, perceive him as?
1: Oh my gosh, he was beautiful. Um, he had golden brown hair when I saw him, and um, very beautiful brilliant blue eyes, very extremely humble, in fact, um, he never looked down at me, he either looked at me or he sometimes he would lower his eyes very humbly and I could feel his love and see what my guides and these beings from other worlds and from the Galactic Federation have been teaching me is not how to love from my head. You know, it's easy to say, I love you and think you mean it, but they taught me how the love from my heart, and they worked with me because I thought I had gotten it. And they said, no, 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 you still haven't gotten it until you can feel that love uh, coming from your heart chakra into the other person's heart chakra, unconditional, non-judgmental love. You truly are not loving unconditionally. So they said to me, the best way to learn to love con- unconditionally is to imagine that in your heart chakra, there is this arrow, an, an arrow of love, like Cupid with the bow and arrow. Mm-hmm. Yep. And... Just imagine that arrow coming out, shooting out of your heart chakra, and into the other person's heart chakra. Now, the other way you can do it is imagine this uh, a ball of light, brilliant ball of light, white light coming out of your heart chakra and also hitting the other person's heart chakra. Imagine anything that makes you feel comfortable. If you want to imagine a red heart going from your heart chakra to theirs, do that. Like like
0: a little Valentine's card kind of thing sure
1: right yeah and they said when you get used to doing that it automatically becomes common place for you and you no longer have to work at it it just happens and they said to me also they said when you judge others for whatever they've done in their life you are truly not honoring them for the mission they have agreed or the lessons i'm sorry the lessons they have agreed to learn while in this lifetime
0: so you've talked about your spirit guides. Yes. And and can you define that? Wow. Um, you know, I've
1: learned that one of my spirit guides, of course, is my higher self. And I'm learning to honor my higher self so much greater than I used to because I never really truly believed I had a higher self. Um, and I've had to really go through some heavy-duty training. But the other guides... Um, I would say a lot of the guides are the masters. I was surprised to see that Sananda was one of my guides. Um also some people call him Archangel uh I mean Archangel Mike. Michael, Michael. sure. Yeah. Um uh and he likes to be called Master Michael or just Michael. Um then there's also some other guides that I don't know their names, but one of them is um is an Indian, Native American, and he is um, Sioux, Mm -hmm. Indian, uh, Lakota Sioux, Mm -hmm. and uh, he's a a very interesting guide. Each of the guides are a little bit different. One of my guides is a being that is brown and that does not look human, but he does have arms and legs, like uh, to be humanoid in that aspect, he's got large gold eyes with slits in the center, his head dents in, in the center of of his head, back of his head, and he's got a very long, thin neck, very long, thin arms and legs, very lean body. And on the ends of his fingers and toes, he's got suction cups. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, let me tell you, when that being first appeared to me, the love I felt from him was beyond words. It was just phenomenal. Um, and I couldn't help but love him back. And he then I remembered he gave me visions and allowed me to remember as a child walking with him as he taught me things. So... Um, he's one of my guides, but uh, we've got to stop thinking that our guides are either angels or all human-looking because we've there's so many varieties. Huh. Right. And I, I will say this. I had the most precious young woman, 32 years old, from New Zealand want, contact me and ask if she could come out here to where I live and spend some time with me and see my sculptures. And she... Is incredible. Oh my God, I am so blessed. I have people coming from all over to visit me. And this is just absolutely, you know, you can't help, or at least I can't help but fall in love with these people because they're so precious. She sees uh, what looks like um, uh, little twinkles of light or bursts of light. Um, I don't know how to explain that, S- like little starbursts of sure, light. Sure, I hear when- that all
0: the time. That shows up constantly as far as like, uh, you know, they almost describe it as, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, um, you know, the little Tinkerbell effect at the beginning of the Disney yes. TV show.
1: Absolutely. And she sees that and see, she is very, she came in with so much more abilities uh, and awareness than what I did because I think I had so many things squelching my uh, memory or trying to make me feel guilty for it that I didn't get to expand it as rapidly as I should have. So she sees these things and even though I couldn't see them, I could feel the presence.
0: This is interesting because in a way you're describing me in in this whole – in my – the last few years of my life here um, that I have been confronted you know getting hit over the head with the hammer of like you know some stuff is very obvious and then I figure out a way through my own intellect and and my own self-construction to deny it somehow and it's been a very tough internal battle for me um, to come to terms with this and I have to say that, that I'm not at peace fully with what's been going with what's what's been happening around me i feel like i'm open i feel like i'm fascinated i feel like it's interesting but i i i feel like um i can't successfully integrate it into my life and i can't successfully um trust it
1: right and and this is the problem that people that humans do okay and and uh, uh understand this is no criticism this is just to help you sure yeah and that is because we, we either think we're unworthy or we don't feel that it's real um, and that maybe we're imagining it, we literally sabotage ourselves from it.
0: And that's what and I feel what, like I'm doing sometimes.
1: Absolutely. And what we need to do is uh, we need to open up our hearts and we need to surround ourselves in the light with unconditional love and just put it out there to all the beings. When we feel something, we just send it out to them and say, thank you so much for being here, for sharing with me, and for what you are about to teach me. And what you're doing is it's an affirmation you're having contact and it's okay to have contact. And the more you do that, the more you begin having contact. Mm -hmm. And when you welcome them and say, I am ready to open my heart, to learning what I need to learn or know to help me be a better galactic being, it happens. It happens, and that's what I've had to do, because remember, those of us who are condemned, the older people were condemned or made fun of for believing for even telling that we've been on the ships and we began thinking that there was something wrong with this, because oh my gosh, why? How can we see it and others don't? So we have kept ourselves from having phenomenal experiences. So now we can have them. And what it is, is allowing ourselves to love unconditionally, to ask them to come into our lives to communicate, to give them love. What most people don't realize is the more we send out unconditional love and work with the light of source, and that means surrounding ourselves in the cocoon of light and sending it out to others. The more we do that, the more our light and love attracts beings because we increase our aura and our vibration and that attracts the beings throughout the galaxy.
0: Now, heres I've been um, talking to a lot of people who claim the, this phenomenon, uh, whether it's the contact phenomenon or the abduction phenomenon or however you want to describe it, and some people have very frightening, dark stories. And, and they tell me their stories, and they tell them they're very heartfelt, and I can't uh, help but Believe them on a lot of levels that, that you know what Absolutely. they're experiencing is very real, and what do you and yes. what's happening what do you for, what do you what do you sense is happening with these
1: there are just as there are good and bad humans um, first of all, I, I have to tell you that my guides wanted me to understand so I would quit judging those of the dark. they wanted me to understand their, the importance of it, and they said to me. When we came to this planet, uh, Earth is a third dimensional world which is a school, nothing more than a school, in which we've written the script before we came here of what we want to learn to increase our, uh, our spiritual vibration and so forth. So they've said that there has to be duality. There has to be the good and there has to be the bad. And the reason for that is What can we learn if everything is perfect? Mm -hmm. So we choose the lessons we want. And those that have loved us the most have agreed to be the worst to us. When I used to be very angry with certain people for things that they had done to me in in my childhood or as an adult and so forth. And I held on to the anger, the resentment and even hatred. And that did nothing more than take my light from me. And when they showed me, in reality, them as my star family and that I needed lessons, um, and um, this is incredible because they showed me various stages of my lessons in my life. And they said as well to me that once we learned the lesson and were able to release the anger, resentment, and hatred, we then open more space in our heart to let more people in. And we then can release that lesson because we no longer need it. It's been been there, done that. And we move on to another lesson. And this is part of our ascension process. How many people came, you know, uh, when we were younger, ever thought, oh, well, I've got all these lessons I'm going to learn in my lifetime, and I'm actually going to be a much better person by the time I'm ready to to uh, leave this lifetime behind uh, for having experienced this. We don't think of that. And, oh, my God, there's a reason we've got to open up our hearts and our minds, and we've got to stop saying, if I didn't see it with my own eyes, it's not true. We've gotta stop that. That's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous asking for proof when the proof is in our hearts.
0: And that's actually something that I talk about a little bit on this you know, the my, my my blog, my website as it is, is mostly me writing about my personal experiences and oftentimes the quandary that, you know, accompanies that, like, you know, like what does this mean and how do I interpret this and and um and there comes a point when you have to uh, and this is this is I think the role of the artist in a way. Uh, you have to abandon the logical end of things and and go directly from your gut, uh, you know, your intuition,
1: Absolutely. your deepest
0: sense, and then and then just follow that path. And one of the things that I've been confronted with, and I write a, a lot about this on the on the blog, is um, synchronicities of like you know profound synchronicities that that um, are telling me in no uncertain terms to. Uh, to not to you know like that you're on the right path and I and I can, synchronicities are, are and I'm assuming I'm just I, I can I'm see where this is going that that I if I uh I, I assume you have some experience with some synchronistic events in your life. Sure. Yeah yeah <laughs> so Absolutely. yeah and uh, yeah oh. I knew that. I didn't I didn't even I didn't even really need to ask that I kind of sense that but um and that these you know are in essence just like you know they're defining the fork in the road and then just basically pointing in which direction to turn
1: oh absolutely uh in fact do you remember mike uh this last year at the um uh international ufo congress that um i did something i don't normally do i gave four people a sculpture these were strangers to me i gave them a sculpture because my guide said, they need to understand the power and they need to awaken. And other four people, um, there were two of them that had had absolutely no contact that they were aware of, but I was being told who they were. And so I gave them sculptures and said, "Take these back to your room." S- meditate with him, sleep with him. I know that sounds weird. And I, scul- and,
0: and I have a story to tell, but keep, keep going.
1: Okay. And then um, uh, bring it back tomorrow and uh, let me know what experiences you have. Well, what happened was three out of the four, and I did not do this to sell sculptures. I did it to awaken them. This was just so they would understand that they have to stop disbelieving what is with their feeling and they have to start having contact. And so anyway, uh, three of the four ended up coming back and saying, I'm not giving you back the sculptures uh, or the sculpture, I want to buy it because they had such incredible profound experiences.
0: And um, I have a friend and I may edit this out, um, you, you remember her name is Natasha, she's German Yes. And she bought a small gray alien with kind of an impish little look. It was looking up at the, the you know, it's as it. Do you remember the uh, big-eyed, you know, gray alien with a sort of yes. silvery paint and black eyes, and, and a
1: smile, a little impish a smile, smile. yeah, yes. kind
0: of, a, and kind of leaning forward, and, right. um, we shared a hotel room together, and uh, upstairs at the conference there, and then she, it was absolutely. Bizarre from me, from an outsider, how completely devoted she was to that thing. She would, uh, you know, we would, you know, be going up the elevator, and she would get so excited that she was just about to go into the room where that sculpture was. I mean, it was like, like somebody with a new puppy.
1: Absolutely. In fact, yesterday I met with four friends of mine. All four of them live in California and, and came out here and they actually came out to Sedona and uh, another friend of mine and I went to Sedona to meet them and one of the women who had gotten a mantis being and she's is a, uh, an oriental woman had gotten a mantis being um, the little ones I now make the little ones that are only 10 inches tall and they're cute she would gotten one and for three weeks would hug it and kiss it and love it And she calls me up one day and she says, oh, I got to tell you, this is so sweet, so cute. She says, I woke up and I was not allowed to open my eyes or to talk uh, or to move. Um, And I I heard them and she's telling me the sound they were making. And she said they were communicating with her and she felt so much love. And I said, oh, that's the mantis. And she says, oh, why didn't they let me see them? And I said, well, I'll tell you simply. Why they wouldn't let you see them, because first of all, they want you to be aware of their love and that they're acknowledging you. And in time when they know for sure that you're not afraid to see them, they will show themselves to you. This woman came to Sedona with her mantis being that she carried in a little carrier and had it in its own little blanket... Let me tell you, they love them.
0: They and this act- is so interesting because this is like what you're telling me is I've heard in different forms from different people, uh, you know. So everything you've just told me is that I've heard multiple times before from other people. But keep going.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, the the um, uh, thing that's really interesting about this is other people have contacted me because they were. Um, They were thinking they were losing their mind and I asked permission to put it on my website. But they would tell me, Cynthia, do they speak to you telepathically? And I'd say, yes, people have spoken to them telepathically. Yes, absolutely. Or do they open and close their their mouths and eyes? And I said, yes, I've heard that too. Do they turn their head? I've even heard a teenage boy say that he woke up in the middle of the night and saw the little Nephilim on his bedstand standing up and walking around I've had people tell me they've seen the the uh, little Andromedan child walking around them and even healing them. People have used the andromedan child to even release dark attachments it's phenomenal and it's wonderful and let me tell you they love them they because they become they come alive for them i can't take credit for it i make them it is not my frequency that goes into them they are the frequency of these wonderful beloved uh, extraterrestrials, star people that put their frequency in them to help us and they did tell me and I was afraid to share this for a long time they said your sculptures are alive and in time they will begin moving and coming alive and take on their own life force. Oh my gosh, is it absolutely amazing the number of stories. They're coming in every day almost like
0: this. Um, yeah, this is fascinating. Now, earlier in the talk, you said that you were doing, um, you were helping people overcome fear. And it's interesting. Right. I don't know whether what I'm feeling right now is, is a fear or just a lack of inertia um, over this. Uh, you know, it almost feels like I'm in this comfortable place where I'm, uh, it's easy not to proceed forward.
1: Okay, well, let me tell you what my guides told me, and this pertains to even those that are having contact with dark entities. Entities that have done maybe some horrific things to them, and so forth. First of all, all of us, even those of the dark, come from the same source, the creator God, even created them. But it's part of of a learning experience or part of their own ascension. And when those of the dark are trapped in this uh, negative energy, when you begin enveloping them in unconditional love and the light of source, and you give them more love, have you ever heard the expression, love them to death? Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I just love them to death. This is the best Expression. In fact, my guides told me this. They said, Start using that expression for those of the dark, those negative beings, and love them to death because what you're doing is you are putting out a tonal sound when you use your unconditional love and energy, and that particular frequency you're putting out is not anything that those of the dark can handle so when you love them but use it in conjunction with the light of source you are actually diffusing them of any power over you and they can't handle it's like the same thing as if somebody were to take their fingernails and scrape them down a chalkboard that is what it does to those of the dark and you release them they cannot stay with you
0: well this is all really really um uh, fascinating and compelling, and, and the stuff you're saying is, oh, I mean, these are grand universal truths in a way. Uh, you know, they show up in every – any master will say this. Here's – okay, I want to change the subject a little bit. How does this all uh, tie in to your to your claims, um, which you say quite forcefully, your claims of, of being a hybrid?
1: My father – um, had passed away shortly after telling me that I was a hybrid mm-hmm. from a program that he had agreed to volunteer with, and although I was considered a failure because of mice, um, I had all these. Uh, I was a big baby when I was a toddler, and because I was too emotional, I was considered a failure. I could not follow rules, um, and that is
0: that continued to this day. Oh, as far as, following, big... as following, <laughs> far, following rules.
1: Well, the thing was that I was very emotional as a child. I was scared, and so I would I cried a lot. And they cannot have that. They didn't want their hybrids that they had created. They wanted to design the perfect human being that could take orders, and that and who had was no they? emotions. Mm, the secret government within the government that was making these. They worked with um, the German scientists. Way back right after World yeah. War Two, um, they had been creating hybrids for some time.
0: So, and when you say created, now what is that process like? I I, I s I think of like, you know, the very real. Was there like a laboratory and test tubes and and an operating room and a, you know gynecologists that were somehow indoctrinated to do these things, or yes. was it somehow something much more ephemeral? Was it was it just like a was like. Um, you know, did it just require like an interdimensional, you know, craft to to sort of make contact from afar with, with you know, a, a pregnant woman?
1: Um, actually, what it was was they were uh, – these scientists that they were working with actually uh, were doing cloning back in the 30s, the 1930s. Mm-hmm and uh, so forth. They were taught that by various uh, groups of races that had come to work with them. Um, so, they already knew how to do it themselves. They didn't need the the beings to do it. So, they had all the technology and information and I was created in a test tube uh, or a petri dish and then inserted in my mother's womb. But I was one of many. So, um, I would have to say that there's been so much that has been going on that humanity has not been allowed or most of us have not been allowed to know about that our governments have been involved in um, and it's time that we know it's time that we understand and you know empower ourselves, take control back you know when we're children and we're bullied, we give our power away because we know nothing uh, else. But how to be fearful of the of the bully, right? Uh-huh. And but when we understand and learn the powers we truly have, we no longer have to be the victim or the yeah I guess the victim's the best word for it. Yeah, we have to always understand we're all equal. We really are. But when we are. No longer being brainwashed, and we understand how we have been brainwashed. We then can empower ourselves, but not through being destructive back to those who have harmed us or who've tried to control us. But we take back our power through unconditional love
0: well, that's and like being. The story of Jesus, almost. Absolutely, you know, you know, I mean the teachings. Absolutely. Anyway, I mean the teachings get you know corrupted, so. I'm just now I'm just this is part of the reason I've been doing this, these podcasts and these this blog is um, very early on. I when I, I went came back from Laughlin in 2009, a little over a year ago, um, I started just writing about my experiences in a crazy flurry um, and then posting them online. And there was intense, intense synchronicities associated with that. And I did a um, uh, Psychic reading. I don't remember there was a woman. If you remember, there was a woman named Marissa Ryan.
1: Oh, I know Marissa. Yes, in fact, she was the one. <laughs> I love
0: Marissa. This is interesting. She's funny. She's kind of sassy. Absolutely. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Uh,
1: well, when I first met her, uh, I didn't know who she was, and she bought a blue lady from me, and uh, I kept wondering why she was always looking around me and not looking me in the eye when she talked to me. And so when I found out who she was, I walked up to her and I said, You bought the blue lady from me. She goes, Yes, I know. And I said, Well, I just wanted to know. You you wouldn't look me in the eye. You kept looking around me. Do do you see my desa- deceased family around me? She goes, Oh no, oh no. You have no humans around you. They're all various aliens. And I said, Really? And she goes, Oh yes. Yeah. She, she says, mostly the white Zetas, you know, the, she said the white ETs, but um, she pointed them out in, in my sculptures, and you know, those were the Zetas. Huh. So,
0: and then because um, what she said to me was that um, it was very funny, just totally out of the blue, you know, cold reading. Uh, she didn't know who I was, um, and I recorded it. She was just like, you know, almost interrupted me, and this was right when I was starting the blog, and I was completely compulsive, and I was writing and writing and writing and posting and writing, and, and she just interrupted me and said, "You need to be writing." I'm like, well, I'm already doing that. I'm already writing, and she said, and then she said, um, that you are going to play a role, and your role is that um, people are going to come to your writing, and people all over the world, millions of people, are are going through the same thing that you're going through. I was not at peace at that point in my life. It was very hard, and um, and they're going to look at your writings and and to find peace in themselves.
1: When when you say, you know, I I don't really know exactly, um. Your past, as far as your experiences, were these uh, on ships or uh, visions, dreams? What?
0: Well, I have nothing that, that, that amounts to being in a ship um, as far as a memory. I have missing time events. I've seen UFO, uh, a very uh, a vivid UFO in a nighttime setting. It was fairly close, uh, very clear to see. Um, I've had profound synchronicities involving the people that were closest to me like physically closest one is like they're not even even that happened when i was 12 years old and these people like re-emerged in my life in this profound way that would take me a while to explain but um just as i was starting to write about this that event the
1: mm-hmm. the, the
0: missing time event there was about two hours of missing time when i was 12 years old and um and then uh, at one point and this is something that you talked a little bit about and i wanted to you know, sort of comment and say, like, I think I know what you're talking about, where I saw, I uh, woke up in the middle of the night and saw five skinny gray aliens with the big black eyes and the big heads and the skinny bodies in my yard looking out the window. There was a bright light in the yard and I was, I didn't have any, it was very strange and I'd never seen anything like it before, so I looked out the window and, and very close to the window, close enough to be scary, though I wasn't scared, um, was these five uh gray aliens and they were definitely coming in to walking towards the house and i will also add that um that that event that event where i looked out the window is dreamlike is the wrong way to put it it seems like like perceptions and reality was somehow altered in a way that felt decidedly different um, it felt, you know, the only way I can describe it's sort of head in the fishbowl, strangely quiet. It felt like all the the normal human chatter um, in my brain just got switched off, and there was a sort of clarity there, and a sort of vividness there, and a hyper reality there that was that's very hard to define. And I felt that a few other times.
1: Wow, wow. Um, you have a, con- a very strong connection with the Galactic Federation, by the way. And why do you say that? Um, because i was just told that my guides telepathically told me that you have a very strong c- connection with the galactic federation but you're not allowed to remember it right now and don't not to worry about it because as soon as you're ready to release the things or the feelings that um, uh, how should i say this the when you're re- ready to release any fear or feeling that that maybe um, you're not deserving of contact or whatever things that might be there for you, because I can't tell you exactly what you're thinking, but they're telling me that you're sabotaging yourself from having conscious contact, but that you will because you play a very important mission and they watch over you. The ships you've been seeing, they said, are part of the Galactic Federation. You're, you you agreed to help uh, at this time, is what they're telling me, um, to awaken humanity, which um, you had to do it in this way. You chose to do it in this way so that you could connect with others and help them through the same baby steps that you're taking to um you know, um, being fully awake.
0: Now, how much do you know about my story? I mean, obviously, not much.
1: I don't know anything. That's why this is I, so I,
0: interesting because what you just said um, rings so true. Uh, as far as my my, um, you know, I think you said sabotage, and you said you know like you're taking these baby steps, and and uh, and I'm not allowed to know. Um, yeah. Okay. Oh, keep going. Well,
1: it, what, what the reason why they said baby steps is because they said that you agreed not to be fully awakened right away because you wanted to help others that needed to take ba- baby steps and therefore you agreed to take them with them.
0: Now, and one of the things that just as we were talking on this, 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 um, you know, as you were talking about stuff, and I'm quite honestly, the stuff you you must recognize that 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 your story is is leaps and bounds more bizarre and 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 consequently hard to believe for you know the mainline population and and oh. as you were you know it's like i was thinking like i have to edit this out because it's too many steps ahead i mean everything you say rings true I, it's hard for me to know like where literal truth is and where metaphoric truth is but everything you've said so far rings true and, and part of me says in the back of my head it's like i have to edit some of the more uh Things that could be interpreted as sensationalistic, I might have to edit those out because it'll 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 alienate the people that I'm trying to help.
1: actually, you know what they told me just now they said no. They said no, don't do it.
0: okay, I'm interjecting here. I did uh listen to this before editing, and uh just so you know, I edited a little bit out i've I've streamlined the conversation slightly and took out some stuff that I thought was extraneous, Uh, but I was very self-aware to leave stuff in, Um, for better or for worse, for whatever reason, uh, because Cynthia was so clear at telling me that I should leave stuff in. I left pretty much everything in. Okay, there you have it. Back to the conversation.
1: Actually, you know what they told me just now? They said no. They said no, don't do it, because then what you're doing is you're telling them by editing it out, you're not allowing them to to understand uh, what you know. It's kind of like um, seeing uh, they're showing me a picture of this, so I'm trying to explain. Sure, it's it's like starting. Uh, let's say you're you're going to go on a hike, and so you're taking a special trail to go to the end result of where you want to be, and they're saying that many people who uh, are not believers need to understand that the same process that you are taking has an end result of an incredible awakening. So be careful not to uh, edit too much out because there's some things that need to trigger people. Uh, You are an incredible teacher for the Galactic Federation and what you've agreed to do is it's almost like what they're showing me right now is a picture of you um, as if you're a teacher and you're holding the hands of the students, and you're um, they're showing me you walking with a group of students, and that's the people that are your listeners, and you're walking with them up to experience something incredible, and you have to be careful to not to think that they're unable to handle. Some of the things that we might think are sensationalism, it may be something they need to hear so they can understand where they're at now and where they will be when they open up their hearts and their minds.
0: Okay, but it, and this is this is the conflict that I'm that I'm dealing with, and this is like the sort mm-hmm. of content of this of this blog where I've been very sh- I haven't been shy about talking about my my challenge how challenging this is, has been for me. Been enormously challenging.
1: Oh man, you are going to find out something. They're just telling me you—you have no idea how important you are in the Galactic Federation. They keep telling me that—that that you're unaware, but that you're doing a fabulous job. That's what <laughs> they're telling me right now.
0: Oh, I've heard this before. Um, oh, so okay, No, I mean, cause I have, they- no, I'm laughing because it's just like you're—you're—in you're, essence, you're in—you're—you're. You're, Like you've quoted other people who have told me exactly the same thing. But keep going.
1: Okay, Okay, well, then there's a reason why this is just an affirmation for you. It's an affirmation. So know that. Know that all that you're going through now has been part of your design, your own design, because you knew that there would be those that would have a harder time grasping. And so you chose to awaken them in a much different way. So cheers to you.
0: Now, that rings so true. Um, what you just said, uh, you know, that like the right, you know, and I get you sounds like you get a lot of people contacting you and I get not as many contacting me Um but the people that I do contact yeah, with, uh, um, you know, I've, been, I've made a very you know, big effort to, to be as, as, as good a listener as I can. And I've actually run into a handful of people, uh, a surprising number, that are exactly the same age as me, that are coming forward now in some sort of rather bold way, whether it's um, uh, through online podcasting, or through documentaries, right? Um, and, and I'm not kidding, and I've, I've like, you know, there's been, uh, I can think of like six people that, that are all, you know, and we sit, and I've talked to these folks, and we've sort of gone through the checklist, and the curious stuff that, that uh, coincides with our life, uh, as far as depression, and when these paranormal Absolutely. events took place in our lives, and such, Wow. so what should I do, how should I proceed forward?
1: Oh my God, you're, you're doing it and, you're, and just know, okay, the way you're going to proceed, i got to tell you, the way you're going to proceed is now that you know that you're part of the Galactic Federation and that you chose such a phenomenal mission like this, oh my God, now that you know who you are, there is no limit to what you can do.
0: Well, I don't quite know who I am. No, you know, no. on that
1: level, yeah, right. But see that it's okay. As you open up your heart, you know that you are with the Galactic Federation, and that you have chosen something. You've got to realize, people in the Galactic Federation are Lightworkers. They are do not belong to the Galactic Federation unless they have worked on some horrific type missions and have proven themselves that they have that ability to help shift from the darkness to the light. And that is you. And you chose this. So you just chose this to have your memory erased and to have it little by little. And all you need to do is open up your heart and admit, acknowledge who you are and say to your higher self, I'm ready to awaken. I'm ready to know the next step. You're doing phenomenal. They
0: are so proud of you. <laughs> uh,
1: I'm serious. Oh, They're okay. showing
0: me this. So here's. Uh, so I had this thing that happened in March okay. of this year, and I had a. Do you do you, do you, are you familiar, do you know Anya Briggs? I think you you had emailed her or talked with her. You should talk with her someday. I have a feeling you two are going to talk, and um, she's uh, a psychic doing work out of New York City. And she, and her and I met under curious circumstances. She did a psychic reading for me, and she said, uh, "Oh, do you know Byron, North Dakota? Do you know Byron, Wyoming?" And this was like during a psychic reading where she was saying like, uh, eat less salt. Uh, you know, try to uh, you know put some more olive oil in your diet. You know, real simple, pragmatic stuff." And then all of a sudden she goes, "Do you know Byron, North Dakota? Do you know Byron, Wyoming?" And I'm like, "Uh, never heard of him." And I live in a little town in Idaho, and um, so she's like okay okay you know you have to you have to look this up and you know this is going to be important byron's going to be important for you and uh and then i'm going to jump around a little bit here but just follow me a friend of mine died who was doing ufo research in october of last year it was very hard for me and i ended up working on a book he was he had he died and when his uh when they found his body, he seemed to have died peacefully in his sleep, and on his desk was the final manuscript in paper with all the edits made in red pen on the manuscript. Um, and the book's very interesting, and he was a smart guy, and I ended up, I was, him and I had talked about doing illustrations, so I did illustrations, I contacted, when I found out that he died, it was really heartbreaking for me and i and i contacted the publisher and i basically said listen i don't care what it's involved i'm doing the illustrations so um i did those no pay just labor love it was very intense experience for me working on that i got i really you know threw myself into it um just chapter headers for this so i'm i apologize awesome. all over the map so that took place in, that's okay that's fabulous but go ahead this took place in he died in lived and died in uh St. Louis, uh, kansas city missouri and then i've seen a lot of owls in the last five years like a- absurd like people i've talked to like owl researchers and say is this normal and they're like uh no that's not normal it's like nobody you know like i've never heard this before and i'm like i've seen so many owls and i live right near yellowstone national park so I, I do live in a place where there are lots of owls um someone who had sent me he has kind of a synchronistic uh, uh, set of events in his life that have coincided with mine and just a couple of emails. I won't go into it, but he sent me an email basically saying, huh, you should see this picture. And so I click on this link I'm online and, and it's a picture of 28 owls sitting on a fence. And I'm like, huh, wow. that's fascinating. So I, I check to see where it is and it's in a town in Missouri. And... And somehow I knew in my gut that this was, like, well, how far away – my friend's name was Mac. The author's name was Mac Tonys. And I was like, how far away was this from Mac's house? So I, so I get on – and there's all these little map programs online. So I get on mm-hmm. this map program, and I, I – um, uh, it's 123 miles, and it was, like, made this little line, you know, kind of like – and I'm like, oh, my God, that line points to North Dakota. And so there's Byron, North Dakota is the name of a county. So when you click on it, there's no place it doesn't show up on a map, really, when you when you Google it or when you, like, search it out. Um, but what it does is it, it shows as a pinpoint on a map. Um, it's nowhere. It's, like, it's a county. So it doesn't, like, it's, like, you know, but you get this one defined pinpoint on a map the way that the Google programming is set up to show you the county. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I'm pretty good with the map program, and I've since gotten much better, believe me, because I got crazy obsessed about all this. I made a direct line, so the, the line from where the owls were, from where Mac died, to this pinpoint on a map in North Dakota, all lined up exactly. Perfectly straight line. Wow. So, I then i then i think like well wait a minute this and then i'm not sure where it came up or why i thought about it but so the, the name of the map is byron north dakota so and i was like well someone said like when i re-listened to anya's psychic reading she said there was a byron wyoming and i searched it and there was it's this little town and i put a line on the map from byron north dakota through byron wyoming and then I made a line through that, and I extended the line out, and that line passes, and I am not exaggerating, it passes through my house in Idaho. The line on the map is like 700 miles long. Wow. And so here's another; so these two converging lines, you know. So it makes in the, you know, mm-hmm. now I had a piece of paper, I was completely like i felt like I was uh uh you know some person in a in a bad x files episode like you know like looking at the map and counting these numbers and and I figured trying to figure out the mileage like was there some hidden clue and all of this stuff and uh, and I recognize how how funny this sounds, but I made a piece of paper and I just made some notes and I kind of like you know here's a little circle for byron, north Dakota here's a circle for where the owls were, here's my house. And I had it set on the floor, and I was moving some stuff around, and I was talking to Natasha on the phone, who's the woman who, who bought the sculpture, excuse me, talking to her on Skype. And I had a cup of coffee, and my cat jumped up on the on the, uh, uh, desk and knocked my coffee cup over, and the coffee cup spilled on the floor and splattered all over this drawing. Wow. And so there's like the three major points on this triangle that I drew with pencil. And then there were a bunch of really big splatter marks from the coffee. And I looked down at this thing on the floor and I was like, instantly I said, that's a star map. And it took me a while and I sat with a, uh, uh, I have a constellation book and stuff like that. And I realized that, and I know how nutty this sounds, the, it, it's not perfectly exact, but it's pretty close the major points the three major points of the of the um uh star the spots in the map i drew in pencil combined with the with the biggest blobs of coffee made a, an almost perfect representation of the pleiades
1: oh my gosh wow <laughs> so
0: how, what do you read into this i'm just I'm curious how that was a long winded story on my end, but I'm just curious what you what you know what you perceive with from this
1: wow uh I think it's my own perception is that somebody's trying to give you a message um and it could have been your your uh friend that's deceased um but i perhaps you have a connection a very strong connection with the Pleiades um Maybe even, uh, most people don't know this, uh, but you cannot become a human being until you've experienced other lifetimes as other beings. So, uh, you will find that in the process of, your, uh, in your ascension process, uh, we've had to live on different planets and have other experiences. And the human being experience is one of the hardest, most challenging of all. So perhaps what you are getting is that you have a strong connection to the Pleiades. Because once we finish a certain ascension process to which we then are what we can call masters, and too many people have negative things to say about masters and all it means is one who has lived through experience many lifetimes to achieve the knowledge does not mean they're better than anyone. All of us will become masters at some time. Mm -hmm.
0: And that's what Neil Donald Walsh says.
1: Okay. Oh, good. I haven't heard him for a while, but uh, uh, he says that
0: in no, in, in you know in in he says it differently, but basically you're sure. you're you're saying what he right. said, Yeah,
1: absolutely. And so uh, it sounds. I, I I just really think that you have uh, maybe you have more of a connection because once we become masters, we can then choose how we want to continue do uh, helping others. And some people. Which is one of the reasons why there's a lot of mantises. Some people really enjoyed being a mantis being and have gone back after they've reached mastery and have gone back to being, you know, mantises and assisting in that end, and the same thing with some others.
0: And, oh, and, uh, keep going.
1: Well, I was, I was going to say, uh, but it's obvious to me. Uh, Because they show me you in a uniform that you are with the Galactic Federation and that was your choice. But you may have had a significant lifetime or numerous lifetimes as Pleiadian before you joined the Galactic Federation. And that's how you chose to be with the Galactic Federation because there are many... Pleiadians connected to them as there are Syrians and other, other races. And what do the
0: Pleiadians other? look like if, as far as like if like in your sculptures for instance?
1: Well um, the Pleiadians are basically, the majority of them are, are very human looking and so many people say, well Pleiadians all have blonde hair, blue eyes. That's not true. Many Pleiadians have dark hair and brown eyes. It has nothing to do with the coloring because once you understand what your powers true powers are you can choose to look any way you want you don't have to uh it, it, just because a person's blonde doesn't mean that they're uh they haven't been a reptilian before they came into the human body you know what i mean mm-hmm. or they haven't been something else so uh, we have to quit putting on um that all Syrians look this way and so forth like that. There are so many races. As you see, Earth is one of the smallest planets in the galaxy, or actually in the universe. But when you see others like Arcturus, Arcturus has so many varieties. And these people, that go from looking human to looking like um, insects and looking zeta, uh, looking... um, uh, oh, gosh, blue, like I make the blue uh, Arcturian, and so forth. So when uh, people say, well, what do they look like when they come through, say, well, if you're to describe human, what does a human look like?
0: Mm-hmm. Sure, I mean, an and Aboriginal like, from Australia looks much different than a school from Norway.
1: Absolutely, yeah. You know, so if, when we begin experiencing all these different groups of races on our own planet, we've just got a tiny little speck of what there is out there. There's so much more. Um, I have a girlfriend that you might want to interview. Her name is uh, uh, Jacqueline Smith. And Jacqueline Smith is the pet psychic who has had contact with an enormous group of, of beings from other worlds. She's communicated with all different kinds of animals that have told their stories about the planets they're from, what their purpose is on Earth, and how they're helping humans to find unconditional love, and so on and so forth. Her stories are phenomenal. And she's written uh written one book and she has another one that's ready to be published uh within the next 30 days i believe and uh, she is truly a mantis being herself um very fragile in her own body uh but very incredible oh my god her love and her knowledge she's been on Numerous Galactic Federation ships and other ships where they have council meetings. She can describe and draw the pictures, or can get help you even uh, in your own drawing of what's out there. And we have to stop thinking that if it doesn't fit what we've been shown as human beings, it doesn't exist. For what you can imagine is what is available out there.
0: Oh, and I agree. In fact, my my, you know, like I'm. That's one of the things that I'm, you know. Uh, like almost puzzle over it's like well why why do they all look like human beings you know shouldn't if it's truly alien shouldn't they look like jellyfish or or like little you know uh you know sentient clouds of gas or something like that so so i do i do uh um yeah no i'm not i just was curious as far as like your um sculptures what you would call the the Pleiadians.
1: oh yeah uh and the Pleiadians, uh, you yeah, know they're again um, I would say most of them are very human-looking, but there's also blue Pleiadians. The blue Pleiadian woman, I mean, I had no idea there were blue Pleiadians. Um, I'm, you know how many humans there are on this planet that are very odd-looking, and yet uh, I'll never forget there was a, a guy that I met who has uh, the doctors say he's severely deformed, and they gave it a name because there's only a handful full of people and yet uh, there are beings in the universe that look exactly like him and so it's, he's not deformed. He just happens to have come from another world. We've got to stop that. Look at um, the people that are born. That Have you ever seen somebody that has a slit for a pupil? No. Okay, well I worked for an ophthalmology uh, firm. Uh, I was the uh, Administrative Assistant Executive Secretary to a phenomenal ophthalmologist um, who owns uh, Valley Eye Center in California, in Van Nuys, California. And we had patients in there that would come in, and their pupil was shaped just like – it was elongated, like a slit. Like a cat. and. Absolutely, or and there's some cats that have round pupils, so it just depends. Look at look at the reptilians. Some rept reptiles have slits, and others have round pupils. So a variety, but they are told that they have a disease because or deformity because we it doesn't fit the norm, and we've got to stop calling it deformity and start embracing these as what wonderful. Um, differences they are in beings. I met a woman one time that was, uh, like, whew, I think she's like six foot two or over. She was gorgeous. And she never, ever had sugar, ever any kind of sugar or milk products. She only grew that or ate that which grew naturally from soil. That was it. That's the way she was raised. And I told her at the time I met her years ago before I was awake, and I said, so what planet do you come from? And it, it just came out of my mouth. And she just smiled at me and said nothing. And then I found out when I was taken to the mothership to be healed of the brain tumor, the beings that picked me up were gorgeous women. Oh, my God, they were drop-dead gorgeous, great bodies and everything. And I'm thinking to myself, whoa, wish I had a body like that. I want to know how they do it. And telepathically, the the woman that was the head of this group that was um, uh, on the transporter ship said, that's because we only eat those things that grow naturally from the soils. Whoa.
0: And that was and a, that, a direct quote from this other woman that was...
1: Absolutely. And I all of a sudden I realized that when I said to this woman uh, at this restaurant um, at the time, um, that when I had met her and I said, What planet do you come from? Little did I know. But That is the truth. That's the way they eat.
0: But, uh, yeah. You
1: know. But that, see, this is another thing, too. We get ridiculed so much for what we do, and they say, well, if you truly were spiritual, you wouldn't be eating animals. Oh, but no, it
0: would, be, it would be like, you know, there's an image of the spiritual person that's like in the lotus position on some mountaintop. But, um,
1: right. But, you know, the truth is, this is part of our learning experiences. Yeah. And what I was told and blew me away was that, um, As we continue to learn, we no longer have the desire for that. And we begin ascending to where our body only needs very minimal things. And eventually we become the light workers where we're, we're pure light. And as we begin in our ascension process, getting even higher in our ascension process, that becomes a natural state that we do. We become vegetarians and so forth.
0: Um oh this has been great. Um here's a question. How do you consider yourself a channel?
1: I didn't used to but then I'm told I have to stop denying what I am. Haha,
0: you and me both. Ha, ah, there we go. Good.
1: Absolutely.
0: It's not easy sometimes, huh?
1: Absolutely, because we're so used to thinking that well, I'm just an ordinary person or I don't really have that ability for uh, I'm just a human. And the truth is we're in a human uh, form only for the lessons, but we are not our bodies, we are our souls. So when we begin embracing the abilities that we have within us, we begin developing even more and more, or I shouldn't say developing them. We begin using them because we are awakened to our abilities. And we both are, all of us are channels, all of us. But it's when we're ready to open up that line of communication that we actually then acknowledge what we are.
0: Can I ask a question? Sure. As far as like you channeling, just as something that came up, and, and what's going to happen November 4th for me? It might be nothing.
1: Wow. Um, I don't know why, but I'm saying that um, this is not something that I, that I'm supposed to comment on because. What, <laughs> we'll keep going. And I know that, what, but it is, it's kind of like the whatever happens to you on on November fourth, uh, and I don't know what that day is to you but perhaps this is something that is a very special uh, thing that you need to experience for yourself and to have um, – to think in advance, to have somebody tell you what will happen and so forth. You can either find yourself disappointed or find out that you're um, – you won't experience it the way you need to.
0: Okay. Because there's – yeah. So here uh, – like I, there was – um. The event that took place in 1974, when I was 12 years old, I was walking home from a high school football game with a guy named Mike, uh, uh-huh. and I've been calling him Mike Lewis. We walked home, uh, and I grew up in Michigan, so total suburbs. I was at, and The football game was uh, a half mile from my house, and I'd walked it many, many times, and I wanted to be home in time to see a television show. Uh, it was actually the favorite television show of Chris Carter, which was, was sort of a funny little thing I've since found out. But um, the show started at 10 o'clock, so uh, wanted to be home well in time. We walked uh, through my neighborhood, got near a house. Um, and I know I could put a, I actually have put a little X on the sidewalk on a on a map, you know, a satellite image. I know exactly where it happened. And then the sky, for like a microsecond, it felt like it felt like God flipped a light switch. It was a totally calm, beautiful autumn evening in the Midwest. Um, and it felt like God flipped a light switch. The sky lit up orange. And then he f- flipped the light switch back off again, and it just went right back to normal. It was absolutely silent. And me and my friend were like, what just happened? It was very jarring. It was very unsettling. And then... Um, we continued to walk home. Uh, my house was the first house in the neighborhood, and he had to walk a little farther to get to his house. So when I got into my house, my parents were angry at me for being out late, and I was like, "I'm not out late. It's 9:30 at night. I'm in time to see this. I'm home in time to see a television show." And they were like, "No, it's 11:30 at night, and the, the news was ending," and they were quite mm. angry at me. So there's about—it's hard to know exactly—but potential for approximately two hours of missing time. Absolutely. So uh, that happened in 1974. Um, I was never really good friends with this fellow, Mike. You know, just we, you know, you're never close friends. And Mm -hmm. then um, I, last summer, almost a year ago to the day, I went out into the mountains. I live right near Grand Teton National Park here. Um, And what I do is I go into the mountains and I go alone, I hike as deep as I can into the mountains, and I sleep out under the stars. I can You can usually tell if it's going to be a nice night. And, and uh, so I just take as minimal gear as I can, tiny little sleeping bag, um, and a little pad to sleep on. And I, you know, maybe sometimes I hike as far as 10 miles. And then I'll just unroll the sleeping bag, and then when the sun goes down, I go to sleep. And But before I go to sleep, I say... Uh, And I usually do this in a place of true inspiration. Like, I don't push it. Like, if I'm not truly inspired, I don't bother doing it. But um, this time I was very much, I I basically uh, said, and I recorded it. And part of the reason I recorded it, I take a little handheld voice recorder. It's about the size of a, you know, they're tiny, Mm -hmm. a little cigarette lighter or something like that. And I recorded myself saying, uh, listen, universe, I am tired. I'm fatigued. I can't take this anymore. I need. Some confirmation, and I'm open for anything. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's scary, but I'm open for. I, I need some confirmation, and I thought I would have a dream. So if I had a dream the next morning, I could just record it in the voice recorder as soon as I woke up. Uh, that night I didn't have a dream at all. I walked around. It was a pretty morning, um, and then when I got back to my house, which would have been about lunchtime, after walking back on the trail and driving back to town and then driving to my house, I checked my email. And I had a friend request on Facebook from Mike Lewis. And he was the person I hadn't talked to. He was the person that night of the Missing Time event. And I hadn't talked to him in, oh, since probably 1980. So that's close to th- 30 years. Yeah, close to 30 years, 29, 28 years. Sure. And then, um, uh, and it kind of freaked me out. You know uh mm-hmm. so in in and he his email came, and when I recorded the little thing, it was about ten o'clock. I didn't have a watch with me, but I think I said it's about ten o'clock, and then his email came in at nine thirty eight so in essence, he was like emailing me the same moment I was asking for help from the universe um I' since said, you know I've shared like just some general hellos and things like that with him uh over the internet um mm-hmm. talked a little bit about you know people we knew in the neighborhood and you know, he doesn't live in the same state anymore and um so and and i want and like i realized there's going to be a day when i'm going to ask him i'm going to call him up and say what what do you remember happening that night mm-hmm. uh, and it was made me nervous to think about it so it, last christmas time i had a dream in this in that and i separate my dreams into what I, amount to like normal dreams which are like you know, feel normal. Just, and mm-hmm. then, and then some th- some dreams are are have a heightened sense of vividness, and I just refer to those as my vivid dreams. Or sometimes I'll call them my reassuring dreams. And these dreams are different, and they don't happen very often, but they they do happen. And I make I, I really make an effort to recognize these dreams, and I and I and I know the ones that are different. So I had this dream. I was at like a reunion, uh, uh like a high school reunion of some sort, and there I was, and And it was in a bar. It was like in a public setting. And and like there was a hallway. And I saw this fellow, Mike Lewis, walking towards me in the hallway. And I knew I had to play it cool. Like it's like, okay, I can't just blurt out like what happened that night in 1974. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he walks right up to me and stands right in front of me and – I can't be true to my my initial thought. And in the dream, I just blurt out, like, oh, what happened that night in 1974? Do you remember that night we were walking home from that high school football game? And he interrupts me, and he just says, November 4th, November 4th, November 4th, November 4th, and I wake up.
1: Okay, what year November fourth? Do you think it's going to be this year?
0: Well, that was one of the things that I looked up on the internet is uh, is trying to figure out whether that night of the high school football game was November fourth, and I realized it wasn't. It was actually very easy to to look up because a Friday night would have would have it would have to be a Friday night, and and it wasn't. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. My guess is this is this is how I'm interpreting it, and I'll let you interpret it. But my guess, my thought was it's like you know make the call on November fourth. You have mm-hmm. my permission. Let's okay.
1: talk about it then. Um, I've also been shown something. And um, uh, in all your life, you've been searching and searching. And your missing time was because you were on the ships, of course. Um, but they have to keep telling you and, and reassuring you because you get through stages where you're really antsy because you're not allowed to remember everything. And they have to keep reminding you that you agreed to take the baby steps so that you could hold other people's hands and that you already have all the truth and knowledge is within you, but had you known and had more open contact back when you were younger where they allowed you to remember, you've had numerous contacts with your star family, unbelievable number, and you have not been allowed to remember because you would not have fu- had fulfilled your agreement to help awaken people through what you're doing now. Does that make sense?
0: Yep. I mean, okay. it, it makes sense. It's hard to believe, but it no? makes sense.
1: Yeah, but... Because I, the... I don't have
0: any memory of like meeting...
1: That's okay. Yeah. You will know it when... You will remember it. You will remember it very vividly soon. Soon. But right now, they said they had to keep you From remembering your connection, for you cannot help people with their baby steps in their awakening. Not everybody can awaken at the snap of a finger. They have to do it slowly. And you agreed to be the one to help people awaken slowly. Whether or not that makes sense to you, you gotta just trust your heart.
0: And it makes, it it makes, very real sense to me and, and one of the things that I feel like I'm going to do is on November 4th, I'm going to figure out a way to contact this fellow Mike and just say, you know, maybe I say, hey, do you remember that night in 1974? And maybe he says, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and if that's the case, then I'll just, then that's the way it'll play out. But um, that that's, well, that's the way I'm interpreting that November 4th thing yeah. that I should call him on uh, November 4th. Um,
1: you both might be having an experience on November 4th that will be the answer of what happened that day.
0: Okay, and okay, so that experience—I don't know what that. I mean, when you say it like that, it's like—is it a grand experience? I—I I see something out of a Steven Spielberg movie with like giant spaceships, or is it—is it a subtle experience that we just talk on the phone?
1: Um, I can't answer that because I can't influence it in any way. Okay. And and I'm sorry. I know that sounds very no no invasive. no.
0: This is I trust you implicitly. You're you're a big-hearted. You know, I I I'm, I I have a very deep. Trust and and respect for you so so yeah that's fine that you say that
1: it it could be a very incredibly big event but both of you will remember something uh, uh, you may be able to be given whether or not you'll be on a ship together or you both will be together uh, in a uh, at some time maybe you'll make plans to get together and talk I don't really know but i do know that you just have to trust that it'll be there will be an important step made on that day
0: okay hey i this has been just great and if you want to follow up on anything and i would and and uh, feel free to contact me and 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 thank you so much for your time and and i feel like um uh, it, it, this is interesting and i and I, I feel like i do this this stuff From a place of no ego, you know what I
1: mean. Oh, you absolutely, absolutely. This is who you are. You are an incredible light worker for the Galactic Federation, and I am now seeing it. I had no idea until they showed this to me, and you have to trust that um, you are doing exactly what what you need to be doing, and this you, you have no idea of the people that you're going to be actually. Assisting and helping. Um, sometimes a person who wants to know little by little, if they're hit upside the head by people who know too much, um, they can feel uh, well, maybe threatened by it. And I would have
0: been that way too. I think if I would have been, like, if I would have just had my brain filled with what it's filled with now, um, mm-hmm. you know, in one, just in one. Flash, I think it would have pushed me over the edge so so yeah. I understand what you're saying
1: yeah you're you're very important because each of us have taken a step um to help humanity um, you're you're doing phenomenal, so uh I have a feeling we know each other on the ship. Uh, I have a guy in India that just bought some sculptures from me, and there and I hate to say this, but there was this part of me going. This guy talks about Ashtar, and he says Ashtar told him to find me. He googles and he finds me, and I'm thinking, oh, this is one of those guys. He's 23 years old, very good-looking guy from India, and uh, I'm thinking maybe he's a wannabe or a wish I could be or something. And I said, um, okay, so you're a star seed. And he goes. No, you don't understand. I am not a starseed. I uh, am actually with the Galactic Federation. And he says, And Ashtar says, You know that, that you are too. He says, There's no reason for you to start to deny yourself. He says, uh, Astro says, You know why you're making these sculptures and that I need to have these sculptures for. He says, They need to have their energy here in India to help with a major awakening. Do you understand that? Ashtar says, You know that. And I'm going, Okay. So even though I've had doubts in my mind, I've had to learn to trust because if something does not feel right, I feel this tightening in my gut. And it's like eh,
0: that's Sure, not sure. Good. Yep, yep. Your gut is is your second yeah. brain. Yep.
1: So this guy I sent them out to him and um I'm I'm anxious to hear when he receives them that he, uh, what happens with them, but I have to believe that he's with the Galactic Federation for there were some things he told me that were exactly what I've been told by Ashtar and those of the Galactic Federation, and he could not have said them more perfectly than what I was told as well so I have to stop with my doggone doubts because even I have doubts and there's times when I question my guides keep saying you're not doing anyone any favor by constantly doubting use discernment and use love for even those who are wannabes you must love them and embrace them for when the time comes They will create their own reality and it will no longer be that they're making up something. It will be a reality for them. So love them all. Stop with the judgment. I'm going, okay, okay.
0: (laughs) And I'm the one person that I judge the most harshly and with the most scrutiny is myself.
1: And stop judging yourself and start embracing yourself with unconditional love because let me tell you, you are doing a phenomenal job. You need to get find ways to get your website out more. You need to start pushing it more because there are people that need to take take the uh baby steps with you through your website so
0: okay. Well this has been great. um I'll let you go. It's been two and a half hours which is which is oh much God. much longer than I thought we would have gone, okay. gone at it. and um and i will uh uh hopefully we'll we'll meet again soon
1: absolutely absolutely. I am so excited. I am just so honored to know you. Let me tell you you're doing a phenomenal job. I had no idea I have not uh listened to and now I have to do this. Oh, you, you should listen me? to I've
0: interviewed Miriam Delicato. you'll like that one okay.
1: Alrighty, thank you so much.
0: Bye now, thanks again. Bye bye. Wow, that was great. Hey, if you look at the posting just before this one, I talk about having a conversation with a woman that I met at a conference. I I spoke with her in Laughlin, and she um, sort of sat me down and chided me about my, about my, um, oh, about the way I can be so judgmental, uh, my prejudices. And, and she's right. Um, you know, in order to enter this field, in order to enter this field, I have to be open-minded. Um, I've made a very real decision to step into this fray, and in doing so, I have to be completely open-minded. I will say that uh, Cynthia Crawford would have, uh, you know, I said this at the beginning. I would have dismissed her um, uh, before stepping into this realm. Presently, I feel like I'm different. And now I uh, listened to her. I paid very close attention. I trust her motivations. I trust her intentions. Uh, her story is very intense and hard to believe. That said, um, I, I feel like I got a lot out of it, whether this stuff was literally true. You know, f- this, she said a lot of things that, 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 uh, that uh, challenged my right brain. And I will say that uh, if I let the things she says wash over me the way mythology would wash over me, I find I can drink it in. I find I can drink it in at a really pure level. And, and that's great. And maybe that's how I need to proceed sometimes. Maybe that'll change. I'm not sure. Uh, I had a great time with this conversation. I love the woman dearly. And I encourage you to visit her site. If you made it this far, thanks for listening. Bye now.